podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Positivity Podcast on Manfield Index. My name is Matt McElroy, and I will be your moderator for today's discussion. I am joined by Lubo Murkoff and Paul Jenkins. How are you guys doing? Paul? Doing very, sorry, doing very good. Um, it's, <laughs> it's really funny. It seems that every time we do a podcast, it's a lovely sunny evening in Northern Ireland. I don't know what it is. It just seems to be that when we organize these, the weather just aligns with me being... Um, sunburnt, and I, I have I have managed after about an hour sitting in the sun to have turned uh, bright beetroot, um, which is just the joys of being Northern Irish. So yeah, I am really good. What is funny is like for me, the exact opposite happens every time. And today <laughs> we are having record rainfall for a June fifth. Like today is going to be the rainiest wow. June fifth ever recorded in Seattle. So <laughs> luckily, like just right now. It's like we're b- between storms and it's actually like partly sunny. So uh, that that's a good omen for the, the start of the podcast. So Lubo, how are you doing? Nice. It is sunny here. I think uh, we're having the, 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 the Belfast, the Northern Ireland weather here. It is beautiful. <laughs> it's actually quite hot outside. Um, and I, I've, I've had an early day today with uh, my son had a swim clinic. And then I also have to get ready for a business trip that's coming up um, tomorrow. So kind of a busy day. Normally, my Sundays are pretty relaxed, but today it has been quite busy. But uh, the weather is nice. I'm, I'm feeling good. And I watched uh, Wales against Ukraine. And that was actually a fun game. Uh, I didn't care who, who would win. And um, at least now we get to see Harry Wilson and Nico Williams in the World Cup, right? So we have, mm-hmm. some, True. We have some, something to root for. So it's all good. And against the United States as well. Are they in the same group? I'm pretty sure that the that Wales is in the same group now with the U.S., England, and Iran. Oh my God, <laughs> that is definitely the Vanta group. Are you kidding me? Iran, the U.S., I, Wales, I think and so. England. Like, like, oh, that's perfect. I I hope it is true. Just the narratives have already started writing themselves. Yeah, uh, let, let me double. I'm pretty sure that that. Yeah, no, the opening game will be, uh, for the U.S., is against Wales on November 21st. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm ready for it. Good. Uh, Me too. It'll be an interesting uh, thing with the World Cup being uh, in the wintertime, this this, this go-around. So uh, let's let's move to our, our opening question for today, which is actually not at all related to Liverpool. Uh, and it comes from Hugh, and he was okay. asking, like, us to discuss what is your least favorite food? Uh, Paul, do you want to go first on that one? I absolutely hate grapefruit. I can't stand grapefruit. I have never liked the taste. 
of grapefruit. It is just absolutely stinking. And anyone who likes grapefruit, I don't know, you're a weirdo. So yeah, not grapefruit. And like <clears throat> anecdote that I have, I was uh, I was out, I was going out for lunch. Uh, I went out for lunch or just to grab lunch from a shop a couple of weeks ago. Um, and they do a meal deal offer where you get a sandwich, a bag of crisps, um, and a and a drink for a five or a five and fifty, whatever it is. And they reached up to the shelf to what I thought was San Pellegrino lemon, which is a which is a you know a fizzy lemon soda drink. Um, I reached up for it, grabbed it down, ordered the sandwich, went back to the office, sat down, opened the tent, first sip, near spat the thing everywhere. It was the exact same color tin as the San Pellegrino lemon, but it was the San Pellegrino grapefruit and i was absolutely disgusted for the rest of the day so my least favorite fruit grapefruit Grapefruit can be just fine as long as they're properly ripe but if they're not ripe they can be like way too bitter no 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 there's there's no circumstances under which a grapefruit is good ah we'll just have to disagree on that one Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh so lubo what is your least favorite food or do you, do you want to provide us some thoughts on grapefruits? So I do like grapefruits, actually. I do. I actually, I buy grapefruits. I'm, I think I'm the only, the only uh, person in my family who really eats uh, grapefruit. So it's actually great because then I buy them and I know they're just for me. Uh, so I don't quite <laughs> understand, Paul, the dislike for grapefruits. In general, I, I like citrus fruit, uh, you know, across, across the board. Um, and about the food that I, dis- I don't really dislike any particular food but over time i've become very sensitive to spicy food so when i was young i used to consume a lot of spicy food and i used to enjoy it but recently i've just realized that it's really it's really um causes a lot of problems while i'm consuming it and then the day after and then sometimes even the day after <laughs> so <laughs> it's it's been it's been a, one of those things where i've just tried to avoid uh spicy foods which is um it kind of sucks because there's, you know, cuisines like Korean cuisine or Indian cuisine or the other cuisines that it actually, they really are good when they're spicy, but I just, I've had to avoid them. Uh, it's just, it's been too much. But uh, an anecdote actually uh, related to food is, um, I don't know if you guys eat beets uh, much. Uh, so, you know, having uh, parents-in-law who are, who are Russian, they make a lot of uh, beet soup, but I also love beets, mm-hmm. especially uh, when you when you just like cooked, you know, uh, actually baked beets. You can actually bake them. Uh, well, not bake them, but whatever it is, the, the, the proper term, the proper. Uh, and, ro- roasting. Uh, roast, yeah, roasted beets. I love them. But one of the things that, and I have not had them in a long time, and I recently had them. I was like, oh my God, roasted beets. So I had tons of them. And then one thing you need to remember is when you have a lot of roasted beets, <laughs> next morning, <Yeah. laughs> don't be surprised because <laughs> I, I literally... <laughs> And I know this is probably way, way more information than anyone wants to hear. But I seriously thought that, like, I was bleeding out. I was like, oh, my God, what is wrong with me? I need to see a doctor. <laughs> I was like, yeah. oh, Jesus Christ, I'm dying. It's literally it's, it was first thing in the morning. It was, it was quite the experience. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's all the beats I had yesterday. So that was my anecdote. What, what about okay. you, Matt? So the, the least favorite food for me is cucumbers there are like no circumstances when you should ever eat a cucumber ever yes it just makes everything taste like cucumber and it's i agree i agree and like i i know like a lot of people have always reacted like 
very strongly when I tell them like how terrible cucumbers are. And it's like, well, uh, I don't know what to tell you. Like they're just awful and they make everything taste like cucumber and renders whatever it was, whatever they touched as like inedible. And, uh, in doing some research, there's actually some sort of compound in the cucumbers that like a small percentage of people just react very negatively to. And so if you, and it's, potentially related to genetics so if you like won that lottery in in your genetics you just don't like cucumbers okay that's me that's yep. interesting uh so i i grew up on a farm uh and uh we used to have a lot of cucumbers and 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 tomatoes in, in the yard that that my my mom and my grandparents used to um used to grow and when I was little in the summer, literally whenever I was hungry, I would just go and grab a cucumber and grab a tomato and a pepper, whatever it is. And I would just, I would not even go inside the house to have lunch. I would just eat vegetables the whole, the whole day. So to me, I didn't even wash them. I would just, just pick them up and I would just wipe them and just eat um, the cucumbers, the tomatoes, the peppers, the whatever I, I could, I could get. So, um, I'm luckily not one of the people who reacts negatively to cucumber because I do enjoy it quite a bit. I don't, I don't know how you could just like eat raw vegetables like that. They always end up being like too bitter or tasting like really bad to me. Oh no, I could I could eat raw vegetables all day. Tomatoes, peppers, all those kind of things. Yes, sweet corn. Love sweet corn, uh, but. Uh... <laughs> But cucumber, no, thank you, not at all. And the weird thing about cucumber is, right, see, when you say to someone, I don't like cucumber, they'll always go, cucumber has no taste. How do you not like cucumber? And it's like, no, I I just don't like cucumber. It has a taste to me. It does have a taste. It's a really distinct taste, and I hate it. That's interesting. And anything that uh, a cucumber touches becomes a cucumber. Yeah. But, like, I don't know if, this is true for you paul but like if you pickle the cucumber and it you know you now have pickles like i find Mm -hmm. those to be just fine it's like something that like once you uh done that sort of like mild i don't know just something about the the raw cucumber not great yes yeah no not at all no thank you Moving on from from vegetables, uh, we'll we'll talk about Liverpool a little bit and and look back at the the end of the season. Uh, so Liverpool beat Wolves on the final day um, in the league, but then ended up falling short of of winning it all uh, as City came back to defeat Aston Villa. And then last weekend in the Champions League final, uh, Liverpool fell one nil to Real Madrid under controversial circumstances so uh i'd like to start here with uh with you lubo and you know you were fortunate enough to go to the the game on the final day at anfield so i was wondering if you could uh start us off by telling us about your experience it it was amazing except for the uh the result in at the etihad uh and honestly going into the game i was so convinced that somehow aston villa was going to uh, pull a result, pull off a result, and uh, they almost did. Uh, and it was at, at, at the grounds actually. So I, I was there with Steve. I was uh, Steve Pizza. I was sitting next to him, 
and I obviously met uh, tons of uh, tons of people from um, from, from Discord, uh, specifically uh, Gags and and Harinda and Cam, and then a bunch of others. Homdol uh, was also there. Uh, I, I just it was a great great experience. Just the trip to Liverpool was amazing. The 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 before the game was amazing. The game itself was uh, so nerve wracking because of just how it all panned out. And and the fact that uh, Wolves scored the goal after three minutes, uh, and then Sadio equalized, and then, um, but then when uh, and then we heard. I, I remember when uh, it was one one at the time when Aston Villa scored the first goal. I'll, I think I'll always have this image in my mind. I, I, a friend had the ball, and he was about to pass, or he was trying to dribble upfield, and Anfield just burst with such a roar. That literally everybody stopped. I just tried to stop. All the players stopped, looked around to figure out what was going on, uh, and then obviously the second. Uh, and I was actually fine that with with at one one. I I was convinced that we were going to uh, to score again until the seventieth minute or so when Phil Coutinho scored that second goal. And then I started having this uh, just paranoia, this fear that Aston Villa will actually win, but Liverpool will draw one one. And they would miss the, the the title on on goal difference, and I swear when when uh, uh, Mo scored, I believe there was hugging and, and possibly kissing with uh, random people. <laughs> we're, we're the uh, the upper uh, upper Anfield Road stand where uh, Stephen and I. I don't really remember much of that, and in fact, I think when when <laughs> Robo's goal went in, we were still high, and I didn't even realize until right around the time that Robo scored, that actually Man City had gone ahead 3-2. So in my mind, actually, when, when Mo scored, I, I still believe that uh, Aston Villa were, were leading at the Etihad. So to find out that it was actually 3-2 and that realistically we were never in the lead uh, it, 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 just because of how the, the, the goals were scored <laughs> was so disappointing. And, uh, and, and, you know, it was deflating, but at the same time, staying there and seeing all the players come, come on the pitch and just get, get greeted and congratulated by the crowd. And then going to, after that, we went to Boss Night with uh, Jamie Webster, and that was a great show. And, and honestly, I, I, just felt, I just felt at peace that day. And, and I, I also would believe that then we would win in, in, uh, in Paris uh, and we didn't, and so it's 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 been it's been kind of a down end. But at the same time, very proud of the of the team, very proud of the players of the season. It's we just got footballed in the end in Paris. That's what happened. Right. Uh, it it sounds like you had a good time in Liverpool, at least despite things not going like absolutely perfect. Uh, like watching the game at home was like. Very nerve-wracking experience. Uh, it was like, you know, Wolves score, Liverpool score, Aston Villa scores. And then from that point, it's just like, Liverpool need to score again, like to like put the pressure on. And like the longer it went without Liverpool scoring, it's just like more and more of the nerves built. And then, you know, Phil gets subbed off and the, the rest happens. Uh, so, uh, Paul, did you have... Um, Experiences you want to share about the, the final day and then maybe talk to us a little bit about your, your thoughts for the season as a whole? 
Yeah, like the final day was one of those ones. Um, it was just kind of filled with excitement and anticipation and um, hope more than expectation, shall we say, about Aston Villa being able to do something. Um, and even when even when Villa were one were, were 0 up, it was kind of like they're going to need to score again for there to be any chance. And uh, I was kind of, when we went behind, I wasn't in any kind of real panic about it because while it's not an ideal scenario, um, you effectively knew that we were going to come back and win this game. Um, I was a, I was a bit like, it was a bit like you, Lobo, where it was kind of like, you hear Villa have went 2-0 up and it's like, the the panic sets in at 1-1 you're hitting 70 minutes, 72 minutes. You're kind of going, right, we, we actually need to score here because the worst thing that can happen is that, that Villa do us a favour and we turn around and mess it up with a 1-0 draw. Even though I was so confident that we were going to win anyway, still to be having that kind of idea that, oh, flip, if we don't actually score now. And I remember saying that, like, I was watching it with, well, I was watching it with a family, but effectively my eldest boy, Eli, and... and um, my wife Michelle, they were the two who were most interested in it. So they were watching, you know, they were watching along along beside me and Michelle was like, you know, like fella two now up, we need we need to win this, we need to win this. And Eli was like, We're gonna win, we're gonna win. And I'm like, Yeah, 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 we're gonna win. Secretly inside going, Are we gonna win? Um and the other thing you know is like when City have stuff like go against them, sometimes they just collapse. And that's what happened to them in the semifinal of the Champions League. So it's like yes. Liverpool score, like the psychology then becomes really real for them. And maybe they just like yes. just stop or give up or like, because, you know, once it, things started going against them in the Champions League, they did nothing in the final like yeah. half an hour of the game. And yeah. so, yeah, yeah it's like it's, that was also like looming in, in, in my mind, at least. Definitely. Mm-hmm. I kind of thought... Had we have went ahead in that game and Villa had been 2-0 up, what would City have done? Would they have melted, as you say? Would they have collapsed? Would they have come back? But I think at 1-1, whether you know players say, oh, we don't know what was happening in the other game, and I kind of go, that's a lot of rubbish. Did you even see Matip? Whenever Mo scores, Matip's shouting in the crowd, what's the score? What's the score? Is it still... 2-0 or skill 2-1 or whatever, and then someone tells 3-2, and you just see their faces to go, oh no. So I probably think that Man City also knew that we were still drawn. So whenever they get their first goal, it's like Liverpool are still 1-1, we can do something here, and it just nearly gave them the, the impetus back. And it's just going, and I, was, I remember sitting there, and Michelle, she had she had an app up on her phone, because I didn't want to know the City score. I wasn't checking messages from people. Um, you know, I wasn't sitting attached to my phone, kind of checking what was happening. And Michelle just goes, "City's got one back," and then she goes, "Oh no!" And I went, "What is it? Two two? She went, "Yeah." And then literally a minute later, she goes, "It's over." And I was like, "They've not scored a third, have they?" And then Sky were doing the end game stuff, so then you see that you see the goals going in, and it was just the most deflating kind of thing. You're like, "Ah oh, man, we've come so close." And, you know, it was there in the palm of our hands. But, like, as I said in the last podcast, I was over at Anfield the last time we came this close. And the atmosphere, Lobo, is just different level. As you say, there might be hugging, there might be kissing, there might be stuff that will never that will have happened that you'll never utter to another human being because that just stays between you and Anfield and the people that were involved with you. <laughs> but 
it's it's a completely different experience. And even just to have that hope, that excitement, that joy, and be in that atmosphere, it is it is phenomenal. Uh, and I just I look back in the season and go, that was such a good season. It was we you know. So many people wrote us off at the start of the season saying that we weren't going to get anywhere near, you know, a title challenge. People were even questioning would we get top four. And I'm not even saying, like, external people. I think fans of the club were even kind of going, oh, I don't know if we're going to get top four because Chelsea are going to be strong because, you know, United finished second last season and City are going to be there and Arsenal are going to make a challenge and Spurs are going to be there. And you kind of, like, at this point, sitting here today, I'm kind of going, like... That was never on the cards. And I remember having discussions and debates and arguments with people, and we've talked about this before on the podcast, that, you know, we have been positive the whole way through, knowing that our team is <clears throat> is one of the best in the world. Um but we just we just got we just got beat, pipped at the post yep. by a yep. team that is just phenomenal. And you have you have to throw your hands up and go, City are really good. They are a really, really good team. Yeah, they bottled it probably in the in the in the Champions League when they had that opportunity and, and Real Madrid were on the ropes. And the, the domestic cups they just didn't seem as up for them as what we did. Um I'm really pleased that we did that this season. You know, if we're looking at back at highlights of, of this season, I'm really glad that we took that approach with the cups. Um did it cost us in the league? I don't know. I don't think so. I think there's possibly you know, based on when you play the league cup games and when you play the FA Cup, you know, third and fourth rounds, you kind of look at it and go, well, at that point in time, we weren't sure whether there's going to be really a league challenge left to go for anyway. So the fact that we went and mounted a cup challenge and won the two domestic cups, I, I'm pretty positive that, that that's a that's a good outcome for our season. Unfortunately, that Champions League final, man, I think if you play that Champions League final, you know, 98 times out of 100, we win that. Had Courtois wouldn't be, you know, he wouldn't be as good in any other time that you would replay that match. He, you know, he wouldn't hit those levels, you know, fine margins. Mane shot, you know, Courtois getting half a hand to it. It bounces off the inside of the post. It comes back out. Other days, that's just nesting in the back of the net. We go on and win three 0 because Real Madrid then have to come out and play us. You know, you look at that Champions League final, and you, you, you no one can say that Real Madrid outplayed us. No one can say that Real Madrid bossed us in the midfield, or or they had our defence under you know under attack for you know sustained periods of that game. It was the other way around. We controlled it, we dominated, but it's a Carlo Ancelotti defensive masterclass with a with a one ball with a one attack, and they just they managed to you know fair play to them. They scored a good goal. It, they worked it well. Um, our, our defending probably just wasn't where it needed to be, but. I look at the team and go, this team that we have, this season that we've had, is an incredibly good season. Um, we could have been ta- sitting here today talking about quadruple, and that wouldn't have been beyond the realms of possibility or beyond the realms of, of um, reason to be sitting here talking about that. Unfortunately, we're sitting here talking about two domestic cups and missing out on the league by a point and missing out on the Champions League by you know one goal. So, it's been a it's been a really really good league campaign. Yeah, I mean it was the most the most uh, games that Liverpool could have played uh, played. I mean we yeah. as you said we, we every every game mattered. Uh, the the last game of the season we were competing for a title. The the last or oh, the second to last game rather the last game was a Champions League final. 
you had yeah. the two two trophies. I don't, I don't think that the cup runs actually cost us. I mean, maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit. Just the energy at the end that you you want. It felt like in Madrid the last, the second half a little bit when we're chasing a goal. You could you could sense maybe we just you know we were ninety percent rather than a hundred percent just because we've run yeah. so many miles and we've we've put so many minutes on on, on people's legs. But I I completely agree with you. I mean, I think that. Uh, if you think about it, after the Chelsea game, which is when I really um, the, the the season really got started in the league, we we uh, in the last eighteen games, I think it was sixteen wins and two draws, and the one yeah. draw was at, at Man City, the other one was uh, at home to Spurs, and I think that's probably the one that you look at and any kind of like oh, I wish we could have found a, a late winner in that one because that would be the that would be the title then right there but in the league you almost did everything that you could so i don't know where you can have regrets and then where we dropped the points in the league uh, the a lot of the points was that period where when covid happened and it just was the the the, the bad bad luck is that we had to you know so many of our players were missing uh due to covid we had to start what is that morton and milner and 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 i don't know who else maybe was keda at at chelsea so things outside Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Virgil, Virgil and Fabinho both had to quarantine, and so yeah, uh, Tiago is like basically, you know, it it the it was completely disrupted to the schedule. Like I bet they had planned for a game every three days because that's what it was supposed to be. But then opponents had COVID, and the games had to be postponed. And then Liverpool had COVID, and it just yeah. like everything got disrupted, and that just threw things off just enough to make the results go the wrong direction. Yeah. And, and then, you know, like, yeah, it just yeah, did the whole then 14 points, even though technically we had two games in hand, it just ended up being just one point too big. And, you know, it's, it, it, it happened. It was, it was, but you have to be proud of, of this, especially again, that's after that, after that uh, Chelsea game, the run that the, the team had and, to play 63 games and to lose only four. Uh, and then out of those four games, I looked at uh, Liverpool. I mean, depending on how much you, you buy, you, you know, buy into it or believe in it, but Liverpool won the XG in all four of them. And really mm-hmm. three of them were one nil losses that Liverpool dominated and had the, the more, the more shots, the more chances, the, the higher XG, and then they lost basically just uh, uh, pretty much the only shot on target that the other team yeah. had. I mean, you talk about the the the, the goal that uh, what was named Lukman scored at, at, at Leicester, the 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 Lautaro scored Inter, and granted that game didn't matter. But then also the, mm-hmm. the Vinicius. I mean, that, that was it. It's 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 one of those things where you know maybe you get kind of footballed uh, once or twice a season like that. I mean, Liverpool got footballed. Three times, you know, you could say, okay, maybe the Villa game was another Villa. The the West Ham game was the one game where, okay, we kind of were not as dominant. At the end, we made up a lot of the XG, kind of chasing the game after three one. But the mm-hmm. three one nil losses were just such terrible luck, and where we we had chances, and you know, Mo missed the penalty, you know, against Inter, Mo hit the post twice uh, against uh, uh, against Real Madrid, as you said there. I mean. Um, the the ball could have gone in off the post and it's a completely different game and who was it? I think it was uh, Mike Goodman who said that uh, according to Opta Courtois had the biggest performance uh, overperformance against uh, post post shot XG 
of any goalkeeper in the Champions League this year. So yes, I read that. So, That's right. I mean, it's it, it's you know Liverpool. When you look at the post shot XG, they almost like it was close to three, right? So and so Liverpool were just taking the shots. They were putting the shots in good places. It's just Courtois had the game of his life, and I don't know. Sometimes you just have to tip your hat, and then even mm-hmm. the, the other irony is the way they scored their goal is you know it was actually a, a, a mishit shot from Valverde. That just happened to go straight to Vinicius. I mean, what can you do? It, was, it wasn't even a good. It wasn't even a good shot. It was just like a crap <laughs> shot that just ended up right at Vinicius. And what can you do, man? It's just yeah. that. That one's like equally frustrating because like the ball goes past Benzema, who's offside and like is possibly interfering with the play, but that doesn't go to VAR or doesn't get like looked at too closely at VAR. And it's probably because they had the disallowed goal where he was actually offside earlier. Or at least that's my like conspiracy theory, and so like that's like equally frustrating that like you could easily see that like on a different day have VAR go against Real Madrid right there. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, and it's it's I and the thing is, I watched the game uh, in Boston. So this is the other uh, kicker. So I, I, my son and I were in Boston um, for for the weekend, uh, and uh, we were visiting colleges, and we were also. Um, going to the Boston Calling, uh, the music festival, and I had strategically uh, made it so uh, for the game, we would be by the Liverpool, by the Phoenix Landing, which is the Liverpool bar in, in Cambridge. And we got there, and it was packed inside. There was an hour wait line uh, to, to get inside, so we thought we'd watch it outside. They had set up a TV uh, uh, outside on the umbrellas. Um, and so it was great. And literally, as the second half started, it started raining, and then when when Real Madrid scored, it just started pouring. So we're standing there, we're yeah. basically standing in the rain, drenched. The, the 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 rain is everywhere in our drinks, in our food. Everyone's just cold and miserable and wet, and and we get to watch Real Madrid score. It was oh such a pisser. Uh, <laughs> but, it was just what. What can you do? It was, just frustra- do? it was just frustrating in the end, wasn't it? It was just one of them ones where, and you knew that once Real were going to, you knew once Real scored, they weren't going to try and make any more attacking plays, and ultimately it was going to be down to us to, um, down to us to try and break them down. And they were like, you have you have to pay respects. They're a good team. They've got to the Champions League final. You know, you don't get there by not being good. Yeah, they rode their luck without a doubt, and probably the the enduring. Storyline from Real season is they rode their luck, but at the end of the day, they beat PSG on their way there. They beat City on their way there. They've beaten us in the final. Yeah. If you can do that, you're still a decent team. Do you know what I mean? It's not. Yeah, so it's like not the, a, the the story of the Champions League was Real Madrid get outplayed and win, and that yeah. that happened in every single one of their ties. Happened in the final, and they. They had the luck and just yeah. rode it, rode it to the trophy, and it was at Liverpool's expense. And like that, that's the part that's really frustrating. Yeah, yeah, no, I I agree, and I think it's one of those things where, unlike the other two, um, I, I I felt that if we if we were if we had met Real Madrid earlier in the tournament and we had to play them over two legs home and away, I would feel confident that actually we could yes. we could advance. I mean, it's it's the what ifs, right? Uh, but yeah. and and we had I mean we had chances. Diogo had chances. Mo had chances. I thought Mo actually this was one of his best games in the second half of the 
of the season. I thought that actually when Bobby came on and you 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 wonder did did the club wait too long to bring uh, uh, Bobby in? I, I thought uh, Diogo coming in made a difference. I almost would have made a double sub right right at the 60th minute when <laughs> Diogo yeah. came in. It's like listen, just bring Bobby in as well because all of a sudden you know that really made the last 10 15 minutes much more intense. We had chances. And at that point, whether you lose 1-0 or you lose 2-0, it didn't really matter. We needed the goal. So, you know, you wonder if Klopp had reacted quicker would, would, and, and brought in both Bobby and Diogo, would they have made a difference? But it's one of those what-ifs. But listen, you know, you got to... And honestly, um, I think to me, the, 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 biggest, uh, the, the biggest positive coming out is that Liverpool had the parade. And, and not that they had the parade, but half a million people... Uh, went and went to the parade, and and to, I think that to to me, the parade, and you know, this is me being super positive and optimistic. To me, it's almost our first win in the league already was that parade because all those players who are maybe down and who are questioning after after having lost in the league and by one point and lost the Champions League final by one goal, if they were wondering, I mean, if they had doubts about how the fans feel about the season, how the fans feel about them. I think they they saw in the parade. They saw in the parade how uh, the entire city is behind them, and 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 the real fan, the fans are behind the team. And I feel that is going to be such a motivation again yeah. uh, next year for for them to go again um, to 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 uh, give it another go and and really now go and and win win the league again, win the Champions League again. That team is going to be so super motivated. Well, any final thoughts on on this season before we start looking ahead? Um, yeah, you know, my enduring thought is that we, we, you know, it's ironic we're the positivity podcast. I I think as a fan base, everyone should be really positive about about the season that has passed and also what that means for the season coming. Like I, th- I think, you know, it's been a season of fine margins, and we've been on the right side of them for most of. The- season um you know even the two cup finals and all the rest of it but i just and you know and and the runs to the cup finals we've had some great memories and great moments some great contributions from players tacky getting goals and and chipping in so you know i definitely think that the season has been such an overall really really positive season and it's it's just one of them ones where you're real it's really weird to come away nearly feeling a wee bit downbeat about it because we have done so well and you know at any other point in time, you would say this has been a brilliant season, but it just feels like we could have done and could have had we could have had a wee bit more than what we ended up with. Um, but it's just been yeah, it's been it's 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 been a really it's been a really good journey, and that sounds as cliched as you can get by talking about oh you have to enjoy the journey and then your way through and but it's true like you know. How much excitement has this team and has this season brought to us? Like we've been absolutely buzzing, you know, and to, the fact that we did come from so many points behind at Christmas to run City the whole way, it's just like, yeah, I I can't be downbeat. I can't be negative about it. I can't be one of these people that goes, oh, we should have won it. Oh, we should have won this. We should have won that. We didn't do well enough. If we analyse this game a wee bit more, we'll see where the mistake was. It's like, it's football. Sometimes you just... Sometimes you play a team off the park and you lose one nil. It's just what happens. It's it's why we love the sport. It's why we love the game. But at sometimes, and I said this before, it's a cruel lover. 
there's just times when it just really you're just like it stabs you in the heart. You're like, ah, no. I nearly wish that we weren't anywhere close to being in the running because then you wouldn't get your hopes built up so much. <laughs> and, and, and I'll like, just add, I'll just add, I mean, I know I know we're saying just two domestic cups, right? Or a lot of, you know, rival fans say, well, you only got two domestic cups. But, but you know, it actually, the, it's, it's there two cups that the team haven't won in a really long time. You know, it'd yeah. be different if, like, if we had just won the FA Cup like Chelsea, like, last, you know, few times or the League Cup like Man City. And like, yeah, another League Cup. But it's been 12, what is it, 10 years since the last League Cup under Kenny and yes. 16 years since the last FA Cup. And, yes. and I think it's, 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 uh, um, it, it's great to have those. It's great to have those. Mm-hmm. Those, are, those are trophies on the champion's wall, you know, at, at Anfield. And, and uh, it, it's good to have those. And we just, hopefully next year we can actually make another run at the Cups and and then hopefully we get a little bit luckier in the league and the Champions League and we can have some of those big trophies as well. But but the fact that yeah. you have those and now Klopp can say and these players can say, you know, we've won every possible competition that we've we've entered. You know, the 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 the, the league, the League Cup, the FA Cup, the Champions League, the uh, the Club World Cup, the Super Cup. I mean, they've won except for the European Cup and 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 I I hope that the, or the Europa League Cup rather. Yeah, the yeah, one that, that that yeah the Europa League which clubs in so I, I'm okay with not winning that one for a while as long as we <laughs> yeah, compete exactly. in the Champions League. But so from that perspective, I do think it's been it's 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 been nice additions. Those two cups have been nice additions to what uh, this team has won in the last few years, and and it just it just means that at this point of time you just keep going again. Just whatever trophy you can get, you just go for it. And it- Fans do ask or do say something like, "Well, you only won two domestic cups this season." Just feel free to ask them, like, how many domestic cups their team won this season. So, <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I think for me, it's the, the this season is um, given Klopp sort of a, a proof of concept. Like, you can chase all four trophies and win all of them. You just need things mm-hmm. to go your way a little bit more, and so that's something that they can, you know include in their planning and have in their head going forward that, you know, it is possible. We can do this. Let's go figure, let's go find a way. And so yeah. uh, I think that's a good point to move uh, to looking forward or looking ahead. Um, so we are now in the five week off season and it's full on transfer time. Uh, so uh, this should be an interesting summer on that front. Uh, so, so, so far, uh, Liverpool have confirmed the departures of Divock Origi and Loris Karius. Uh, so there have also been some news reports that are indicating that Shea Ojo and Ben Woodburn will be leaving as free agents. Uh, additionally, uh, the club has confirmed and announced the signing of Fabio Carvalho from Fulham. So uh, I wanted to start here with um, asking if you have any parting words for the guys who are leaving. Uh, Lubo, do you want to get us started on that one? So uh, I mean I think with uh, I actually I completely missed the announcement on Karius and it makes sense because he's a free agent but obviously Divi is the is the big one right I mean obviously until maybe Sadio leaves uh, if it does happen but Divo Corrigi that uh, he aside from Henderson he he was actually the longest serving player mm-hmm. uh, at, at the team right I mean he joined in 2014 officially even though he didn't he went back on loan. So he's he's one of the few players who actually predates Klopp 
at the club and he's been you know he's 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 not he's not been a bed of roses for him to to use those to use the the words from queen right that queen song but uh it it he's he's still managed to make some amazing contributions over over the years and some of the most memorable games have his uh, his footprint right i mean just think about some of the, the big games you know that the uh, 4-3 against uh, against dortmund that the uh, 5-2 win in in the derby against everton mm-hmm. and obviously the 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 4-0 against barcelona that the 1-0 against everton the the Champions League coming in when we're protecting a 1-0 lead and for 20 minutes looking like he couldn't even make a pass and then he scores that second goal. I mean, and even even this year, that goal at, at Wolves and a couple of the goals that he scored in the, league, in, the, in, the in the cup competitions, it's, he, he's he just, the, the, the ra- honestly, the ratio of impact to minutes played <laughs> might, might be bigger than almost any player we've watched in the last 10 mm-hmm. years. Uh, and 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 so I, I know that you know he, he's a legend, and I think that you, normally you would want a much bigger body of work uh, to call someone a legend. But I think we just need to make an exception for Davy, especially because he's also such a nice guy, and he really you know gets the club. And in the way he, he speaks about Liverpool and what he's done for the for the community, uh, it, it, it's it's just it's such a wonderful guy, and it was time for him to to go and i'm just glad that he was here for another season so he can contribute to a couple of those cups he can have that now uh those medals uh in in his cabinet and i i'm going to be i'm going to be rooting for him i'm going to be watching to see how he does in italy i hope he does really well um and then the the rest of them i mean it's, it's expected it's 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 funny like uh, woodburn and uh and and ojo actually my story is I think it was back in 2013. I went to a, a tournament here in Newark, New Jersey, uh, and the Liverpool, I think it was under 16 or under 17, were here in that tournament. And that team had Woodburn, had Ojo, had Harry Wilson, had uh, Serhi Canios, had a few others that that I got to see for the first time as like 13, 14 year olds or 15 year olds, whatever they were at the time. And Ojo just looked like someone who would just be a, a world-class world beater. He just looked like the best player on, on, the, on the tournament, really. And it's just so unfortunate to see that he just never, never panned out. And in fact, if you look at that team, it's Harry Wilson and maybe Serhi Kanyos who are the ones that ended up having a, kind of a successful career. And Woodburn is just, I don't know, somewhere in Scotland in the wilderness. So, I mean, I wish them the best. Both of them, uh, both Ojo and and Woodburn, and hopefully they can find their places and they can have uh, careers. It's a shame it didn't work out at at Liverpool, but that's that's unfortunate. The reality with young players is some of them will just break your heart, um, and I think those are, those are the two. But um, yeah, it, it's not surprising. I think everyone who's who's leaving, it's it's what you'd expect. And Fabio, I mean, I know maybe we'll talk a little bit more about. The arrivals, and I'll, I'll, you know, I'd like to get your thoughts, Paul and, and Matt, on some of the departures, impossible departures. Yeah. So, uh, just Paul, go ahead with uh, any parting words for the guys we know who are leaving. Like, I was just going to say that the the Dave Ogarigi was, you know, uh, one of one of the great characters to have had around Liverpool, and it just, I'm just so. In a way, sad because 
his career at Liverpool could and should have been a whole lot better, apart from just one really shock tackle in a in a Merseyside derby that that you know was was defined as a as a career altering tackle. And I just think when he came back from that injury, the team has slightly progressed and moved in a different direction that he could never find himself fitting back in. But Klopp has has throughout his tenure has always been incredibly um positive and incredibly complimentary. Um, to Divock and how he's talked about him, and you just kind of feel that had that injury not have happened, had that you know it was an ankle break or something wasn't had that not have happened back then, maybe the direction that the team would have taken would have been slightly different and would have been more geared and set up around Divock and and you know he could have had a you know a completely different direction at Liverpool, but that's not to say that he hasn't had an incredible you know incredible. Uh, six, seven, eight years with us because he has been brilliant. And some of, as you rightly highlight, Liverpool, like some of our greatest memories and our greatest wins and our greatest moments that we can look back over the over the Klopp tenure, the, like Devox at the middle of them. So for someone who at times has felt like a player who's very much on the fringes, when called upon, he has been absolutely superb and scored goals and you know, fitted into the team and there's so many funny wee anecdotes about, you know, things that happened like that. You remember that that game um, against Everton, the derby where Van Dijk had the terrible shot that Pickford flapped at, that Divock um, heads in and he runs into the back of the net and he grabs the ball as if he's going to run back to midfield and run back to take the centre and, you know, I think it was Milner who came out afterwards and said, um, yeah, he actually thought that Everton were winning that game one nil, <laughs> and you just kind of go and like, you know, and sometimes you just kind of go, where was his head at? He was just so relaxed and just kind of so like not focused at times on what he was doing. But then you know he was just so central and key to a lot of a lot of our big moments, the Barcelona game, the Dortmund game, and and had was there not a thing at a time that Klopp had actually tried to take him to Dortmund, but we had tipped him to we had tipped him to the post and and got that deal done for him. So. You know, I think Klopp has, you know, been long been an admirer. Um, so yeah, it's like sad to see him go, but uh, you know, he's a player, he's an ex-player who you will be looking out for. Um, if as the rumours are true that he's going to AC Milan, he'll be a player that that that, or maybe that's been confirmed. I can't remember, but he'll be a player. Who I don't think it's been fully announced, but yeah, that's that's the yeah, that's the expectation. That's the field. He'll be a player. He'll be an ex-player. You'll actually look for in a positive light to see how he's getting on and see how he's going. Karius is one of those players who you're like, you know, he came in and everyone thought, right, this is us going to be sorted. It's a young German goalkeeper. We've got the next Oliver Kahn or we've got the next Neuer. This is, you know, Klopp's done an incredible piece of business here to bring this guy in. And you you just know that he never recovered after that Champions League final. And it's just unfortunate that his career has just taken the the trajectory that it has because it doesn't seem as if you know it has went it's going to go too many places. I just hope that he does get a club. By the looks of it, though, if if he doesn't manage to get a club, he's a careers and Instagram modeler um, yeah. because he just seems he just seems to be he just seems to be on there all the time, and all his pictures are just like you know 
model worthy so he's got something lined up for his next move but um yeah that unfortunately that's just the nature of football you can make one mistake that you just can never recover from and it never works out for you um and it's just unfortunate and we all know that with youth guys we've seen it time and time again they promise so much and we really hope that they're going to succeed i think like ben woodburn will leave with the with the the record of being the youngest goal scorer Mm-hmm. And it's kind of right. like, yeah, that's that that's brilliant. That's you know, it's something that he'll have on his CV for a long time. It's just unfortunate that that kind of seems to be the level where he's peaked at, and like he hasn't, he hasn't, he didn't make it in Scotland. You know, he's coming back to the club. I think they had an option to to try and negotiate something for him, and they chose not to. So, um, you know, his next move will probably be further down the leagues. I don't, you know, and I just hope that he gets. I just hope that he gets something. Um. And, and Ojo as well so yeah like players sometimes we all know it it just doesn't always work out at Liverpool but it doesn't mean that they don't have a good career um, to follow that so we wish them all the best and, and thanks for the memories that they've given us I will miss Divakarigi the man of the big moments so uh, and I wish him the best uh, going forward but since we're we're probably going to run over time let's try to do this Next round of questions uh, about the transfer window a little bit quicker. Um, yeah. So let's <laughs> uh, let's start with um, just briefly. What do you see as the top priority uh, this summer for Liverpool? So Paul, you want to get us started on that one? Yeah, like I, my my view on transfers is very much this. I will be excited when they happen, and until they happen, I'm not going to get my I'm not going to get my my knickers in a twist about them. Shall we say, if Manny leaves, I obviously think that forward is something that we need to look at. Um, we've we've heard so much about midfields and Jumini and different people. Yeah, if we get a midfielder in, that's brilliant. I I'm excited about Carvalho. I think that's a great I think that's a great sign. I think that's um one that's that's we've got ahead of the game in the same way with Harvey Elliott, got ahead of the game, got him signed, got deal sorted. So I'm really looking forward. And Harvey Elliott has been, you know, has spoke really highly of Carvalho coming in too. So I think that's, it's, you know, our transfer window is going to be based on who departs and what we need to replace then for those people who are departing. Um, the thing that we need to look at most as it sits currently, probably midfield, if Manny leaves, I feel this, the focus will be trying to get a forward sorted um, that replaces that replaces him. But I am not panicked um, one bit about it. And the reason the reason I'm not panicked one bit about it is because of the season that has just passed us. We played every match possible. We got to every final possible. We took the league to the last day of the season. If that squad doesn't change too much and we can refresh in, you know, and, and strengthen in a position that maybe becomes vacated, then that's happy days. Otherwise, you know, the majority of those boys are ready to go again and they're motivated by what, what has just happened in this season past. Um, so, yeah, transfers, I'll be excited when they happen, but if they don't happen, I'm okay with it. I think we're all sort of in the similar boat with that, where it's like, you know, not going to get too bought into any one player until they're part of the club. Uh, so, Luba, what yeah. do you think uh, the, the top priority would be, like, Position-wise, I mean, honestly, so attack and midfield are the the two areas that everyone's been talking mm-hmm. about, and so uh, 
where I am is it with two, you have Divock departing and, and that you have Fabio coming in and, and Divock only played 600 minutes. You'd like to think that Fabio will get even more than that, assuming he's an attacker. Uh, and so, yeah. okay. And then uh, I know Sadio is likely leaving, but you do have a Luis Diaz and maybe Luis Diaz is not seen as a, as a, as a replacement or as a new player because he arrived in January. But realistically, in many ways, he was brought in as a replacement for mm-hmm. one of the attackers. So if you mm-hmm. went into the next season with, um, with uh, assuming that Bobby is fully fit, right? That's a question mark because he did yeah. have uh, injuries. And also assuming that you can, you can sign Mo to a long-term deal and you have Diogo and, and Luis as sort of the younger players, then you have... Uh, Taki, who I, th- I still think is, 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 is a perfectly good backup attacker. Uh, you have Fabio, you have maybe Kate Gordon. There's possibly six options, right? There are six, seven options in attack. So do you desperately need an attacker for, for this summer to come in? Maybe, maybe not. I do think because of Bobby's age and because ultimately uh, Mo will not be able to play as many uh, minutes a season, you probably want to bring in uh, another high high upside attacker, younger attacker. As, but whether it's this summer or next summer, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm on the fence. I can go either way. Um, I, honestly, I'm the same way about midfield. Because if you think about it, really the only, the, the only midfielder who is or who's strongly linked to be leaving is Ox, right? And even yeah. assuming that Milner stays, and I've seen mixed messages. Some say Milner will stay, Milner, Milner will not. But assuming that uh, Milner stays, then you still have seven midfielders, and that includes uh, Curtis and, 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 and Harvey, and a lot of the question marks are around, well, how much can you expect from Harvey? How much can you expect from Curtis? Will they give you meaningful minutes? I'm, I'm more optimistic. I'm more positive on both of them uh, next year, and I feel that, that they could give you enough to more than compensate for the minutes that you've lost. Uh, if if Ox leaves, or the, even the minutes that you that you've lost, if if uh, Milner leaves, uh, but I do think that ultimately it's a good idea to to look to bring in another young uh, midfielder, ideally someone who is in the 22, 23 year old range, and not because I think it's desperately needed for next year. I know there a lot of people will disagree, but because you have Hendo and you have uh, Thiago that are in their early thirties, and in in a in a year or two. Uh, they'll they'll probably be you know running out of legs and ideally you want to have then that next gener another younger player ideally player who could be more of a of a six more of a DM that more physical type who can do the the stuff that Fabinho does uh, they're already uh, in the team and and already available to uh, to play significant minutes and the best way to do it is honestly just bring him a, a season earlier than you really need him. And so we'll see if Liverpool do that. So, um, but would that mean that that I fully do? I think that we need to bring in a, a, a another midfielder who is going to play three thousand minutes or whatever. I I don't, and I honestly I don't even think that there's a midfielder right now who is who would do that much. I, I know I have slightly different opinions about Joe Manny or some of the others. I think that going into next season, we're still going to have a super strong core with uh, with the first four, uh, and then Curtis and 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 Harvey. And it really comes down to if Milner also leaves, so you've lost Ox and Milner, then I do think you need to bring someone in. If Milner stays, maybe you could make it 
for another year. Um, so yeah. I, long, just my short answer of a, a long rambling rant is that I think eventually we will need to bring in another attacker and another midfielder who could be starters for us in the future. But does it have to be this summer? Maybe, but it could also be next summer. could also be in January. So I, do, I don't yeah. feel the same pressure, the same urgency maybe that some other fans feel about transfer. I just feel there's a plan. There are names that are identified and the club is working methodically. And when the right player becomes available at the right time for the right price, uh, he'll come in. And I think that's ultimately that is how we have done transfers under Klopp anyway. So I don't see any reason to panic. The club has always had a plan and a, and a, and a guideline in place as to how they want to do this stuff. Yes, they have to react to some external factors such as Sadio wanting to leave or, you know, a player, you know, a really good transfer offer coming in for a player or whatever. But ultimately, they will constantly be checking on players who could fit a certain position and be able to be like, you know, if Mo if Mo doesn't renew his contract, which I'm really hopeful that he will, um, I'm pretty certain that we will have a contingency plan that will be set up in place that we will be able to bring someone through who will take who who will take that place. So yeah, um, transfers aren't something that we need to get too panicky about. And I, I believe that Luis Diaz was brought in um, uh, in January. Uh, I mean, I know he was planned for the summer, but I believe, or at least I assume, that that was because they knew already that Sadio would be leaving, right? So that was yeah. that was. And then with uh, with Mo, if it turns out that I mean, what Mo said is really interesting that he's for sure playing next year, and whether that's what he wants or whether the club have told him that he's not going anywhere this this summer regardless of whether he signs a new deal or not, uh, at, at least that gives the team uh, uh, the, the opportunity to bring in someone this summer if they know that Mo would not become uh, resigning or that Bobby would be leaving. They, they know the plans for these players and they will react accordingly. So if, if a new attacker comes in this summer, it could be that that attacker comes in not necessarily with an eye for this coming season, but for the season after that, whether it's a Bobby replacement yeah. or as a or as a as a as a Mo replacement, because eventually the, the, those those attackers, just like with Sadio now, eventually they will leave. <laughs> Hopefully, with Mo, it's a lot a bit longer. You know, I love Bobby, yeah. so I hope he stays longer. But the, the club will have a, a plan, and and when they think he's right, they will bring in uh, new players. And none of us really know what the intention is for Carvalho either. <laughs> you know, because when we look at how he's played in the championship, everyone kind of goes, you know, left-sided or he's coming in as a number 10, he's doing all this. But the club, the club have communicated that they view him as a forward. So he's not coming in to play right-sided eight in the midfield from what we can tell. So he, you know, we'll have to see also how he fits into the forward line, and I think that's, I think that could end up being, an, you know, an incredible signing for us. So we don't, yeah. we just don't know. They're, the club do their business. The club do their research far better than any of us can ever do our research. They have the yeah. figures, and they have the eye test that they look for, and they have everything that they know. So if they've brought him in and communicate to the fans that he is a forward, then you know. Maybe they've addressed that scenario. They know that Mane's leaving. They know that Salah possibly won't renew, possibly will renew. So they've brought him in. They know that Bobby probably won't 
you know, may not get offered a, a, a new deal at the end of his contract. So is Carvalho coming in to learn under Bobby and play that kind of role? We don't know, but they know. And this next season is going to be quite ex- exciting for how that happens. Yeah. What about you, Matt? What are your thoughts? Well, in terms of priority, in terms of for like positions, uh, I think for me, when I'm looking at things that like a like-for-like replacement uh, for Fabinho would be where I would tend to prioritize. Um, just not like having the stick hands in there just really disrupts the flow of the games uh, just because he plays the position so differently than Fabinho does. And so having mm-hmm. somebody who's younger in their like early 20s, who's learning under Fab, helping rest his legs, can play it in a similar way that he, to how Fabinho does, I think that that would just make it so you have a little bit better continuity when Fabinho's getting a rest. Rather than when Henderson drops back there, it's going to be a completely different style. Everybody else has to then adjust their, how they're playing their game and it just it just seems a little bit more disruptive, um, and then also potentially allows you uh, a way to be like playing Fabinho and at times. Uh, at least some commentators believe that Fabinho and Henderson playing together uh, like nullifies the the good things that both of them do, and they play worse mm-hmm. together than they do separately. And so, if that's true, having somebody to like for Henderson to platoon with and then Fabinho platoons with like Harvey or something like that where they just sort of like play together that might get you like the best of out of all the players that you have and so I think that you know if I'm looking at it maybe maybe that's where I would you know spend my money or uh, spend my attention um, provided like nobody's leaving right uh, now if Fabinho's yeah. leaving then like you guys are saying like an attacker would be um, sort of higher on the list because then you're going to want to uh, start doing that succession planning. Like you, Liverpool probably have at least two of who they're going to have going forward uh, to be one of the three mm-hmm. starters or like four core members in Diogo Jota and Luis Diaz. Um, Fabio Carvalho, maybe he developed into that, but you know he's only 19 years old. Uh, so having a third guy identified going their peak years or outs that would be i think a priority if sadio is leaving and like that's all part of what i'm sure they're working on in terms of like how they're like planning that out as the the coming in yeah so and uh, yeah yeah. and just uh, to go in like just a go ahead lubo the last the last thing i think a, a big unknown is how the club evaluates some of the younger players, right? So specifically Curtis and Harvey and, and Fabio uh, and, uh, and even Cade, right? Because they've, they've played very little. I mean, Cade is so young. Yeah. But, but spe- spe- specifically around Harvey, Curtis and Fabio, what, how the club uh, evaluates them, what the coaches would expect from them and, and what, how much time uh, the coaches would feel that they could be given or should be given could could go a long way to determining what they do in the in the in the transfer market, right? And this is something that's very difficult for us to 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 project from one because they're young, but two we've hardly seen them. Much the coaches really would know the best, and so that's that's where um, that, I, I think that is going to determine 
to a large extent what what the club uh, emphasizes and where they end up bringing additional players is is how they evaluate some of these younger players that they have that just on the or really have been on the periphery or you know a little bit on the edge of the first eleven, but uh, not really contributed it meaningfully. But they're 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 on on the edge, right? And so that is that will be really interesting to see. The other thing, uh, like, the other thing, just quickly, is is yeah. Sorry, just the other thing quickly is like see see having five subs next season in all competitions. It will give us more of an opportunity to bring those young players on for the last twenty minutes of a match and evaluate and see how they do. Um, so you know you get three nil up in a match, you're you're now kind of able to go. Well, we've got five subs. We can break Fab off and put someone else into that position. So I think that can also dictate some of the transfers that we do because we might look more at younger players, um, who we begin who we can bed into the system for the next three seasons because we have five subs and we're able to rotate more during a match or you also have that option of they start for and play for 60 minutes and if the, you know if they're not doing well or if they're struggling or if they can't keep up with the physicality of it then you can still bring Fab on or you can bring Thiago on and you can bring Naby on give them 30 minutes on their legs and keep that rotation going and keep that kind of rhythm going for players so I think that also could come into consideration when we're looking at our transfers Yeah, mm-hmm. the other thing is like with Curtis and Harvey like they had such disrupted seasons from injury and yeah. so, like, like Harvey had the one big injury that sort of like set him out, like out for a long time. Whereas, like, Curtis had a like series of small injuries and then one non-football-related injury that kept him out for several months. So, um, you know, if they are, you know, more healthy, they could get in a better rhythm and be more easily integrated. So it's not like oh. Yeah. You, you now are out for two weeks because you like pulled your quad and then you're back for two weeks and then you rolled your ankle and then like like that stuff like that that keeps disrupting the rhythm for those players like yeah. if they're not getting those small knocks and they're part of the regular rotation you might actually see their like performances like start to go up and their levels to more like sort of rise on a consistent uh, basis rather than something that we see now where it's sort of like uh, it, it's good, it's bad, it's good, it's bad. So like, as they get more into the rotation, they can be more consistent. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you guys want to do one more question or do you want to want to call that the podcast? I think that we can call this the podcast and maybe we'll okay. come back in a, in a month. And by that time, we may have more ideas about um, about transfers that will have happened. Maybe Maybe right before... Uh, the first game of uh, of of the preseason against Man United. Maybe we come back again a month from now, see what has happened to the transfer chatter, see if if anyone has come in, and maybe we could just then start looking a little bit more um, more in depth at the next season. Can I just say that it just even feels weird that one week after the Champions League, we're already talking about the preseason games against United. It just Crazy, right? it feels as it, it feels as so if this short. season is just wow. It's one straight into the next. I mean, no way it is because the World Cup and all the rest of it. But it just feels like are the players even going to get a chance to rest? Really? <laughs> uh, barely. Like they're they're off at internationals now for another week, and then they have three weeks off, yep. and then it's the next season, and it's like crazy short. Um, uh, so, Mad. in any other uh, final thoughts from either of you? No, nope, I'm good. No, I'm just. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm just excited for what's happening. Um, and I'm not I'm not in any way panicking about transfer stuff. So we should be good. Many, many reasons to be positive about the, the, the summer. Many reasons to be positive about just the steam. Uh, and yeah. I think we'll, I'm actually just you know, really happy that we have this podcast going and we'll be able to check in periodically and see how the summer is going and how the new season is shaping up. But um, uh, you know, ha- having been a bit in the dumps for a couple of weeks because of the, the last two games of the season, uh, you know, I'm back out of it, and and I'm I'm back full 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 on, you know, Lubo Lubo gif, if you will. I'm, so I'm, I'm, back, I'm back on the horse, back on the horse, baby. Good, ready to hit the season running with uh, lots of happy thoughts and positivity, and leave that other negativity for everyone else. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Have a great summer, everyone. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.